Good morning. Good morning. morning. I'm glad you're all here. I am expecting lots of participation today. Um, I'm Eve Knight, uh, filling in this weekend. And we're going to be looking at Lesson 7, Worshiping the Creator. Um, So let's go ahead and start with prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much that you are always present where we are gathered in your name. I ask that you would help us to understand your character more as we study your word. your name I pray. Amen. Before we actually get into the meat of the lesson today, um, and I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because uh, I've got about seven or eight pages before we get into the lesson, um, <laughs> I sort of combined it all together. But I wanted to take a look at the entire context of the verse that we're looking at. And that verse um, is Revelation fourteen six to 7 okay? We've been looking at it for multiple weeks, um, but here's the verse. Then I saw another angel flying overhead with the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. Now, we've talked about this verse in multiple lessons prior, um, but we want to focus in on the eternal gospel, right? We've talked about that. What is the eternal gospel? Knowing God. Knowing God? Love. Love. Okay, let's keep going. Knowing the God of love. Knowing that God is love. Knowing that God is love. So the truth about God's character, Right? And this is important in this text, especially because that piece is like a uh, measuring stick, right? For the rest of the, of the verse. So if we understand that context, the truth about the eternal character, you know, God's eternal character, his, this is something that's always been true. We can hold that up and we can take a look at the rest of it. Now, um, We'll take a look at each section piece by piece. So the first section is fear God, okay? Um, So what two ways can this fear God be translated? Love him. Know God. To know God. Respect. 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 Uh Uh-huh. Is there a negative way to look at it? Afraid. Oh, yeah. To actually be afraid. Right. And the word could be translated either way. But if we have our measuring stick, which is the eternal gospel, the truth about God's character, then we can hold that up against the first part of the verse, you know, against that fear God and say, okay, it can't be being afraid of him because that's not his character of love. Right. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you were afraid of something, you wouldn't give it glory. True. And the very next thing said, and give him glory. Yes. So if you had the actual fear, there's no way. Good point. If you're afraid of him, you're not going to take the next step. Very good point. Okay. So the next phrase is, and give him glory, which we've already mentioned. Um, What does it mean to give God glory? Give him honor. To give him honor. To praise him. To praise him. To lift him up. That others through your life can see, you know, you're different. Where do you get this from? Because you honor a God that loves you. I like where you're going with that. I think it's it's partly emulating his character. Yes. To allow him to heal us. Yes. And I think all of these are pieces of the same thing. Um, so... Just to take a quick look at what the Bible says glory is. All right, so we're going to look at Matthew 24, 30. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Now, this is one of many texts that are similar about, um, you know, Christ's return and coming in glory. But you notice how it says that he's coming. The two things, right? Power and glory, which means what? Might and power. But everybody can see it, and he's 
going to be so marvelous that everybody's going to know it. They will. But it also means they're not the same thing. Power and glory. God's glory is, is not his power. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's his power then. He was his creation. Yeah. And, you know, then the question has never been, you know, whether or not God is powerful. We know he is. Um, but I thought that was interesting that, in fact, you're not going to list the same thing twice. So keep in mind, his glory is not his power. Um, so the next verse, Luke 2, 9 to 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Okay, so what do we learn about God's glory from this verse? We should not be afraid of it. Not be terrified. Unless we're not in tune. Unless we're not in tune. It's a good point. Then we want the rocks to fall on us. Yeah, let's not jump too far ahead. <laughs> All right. We also learned that it can be bright, right? So when he talks about coming in power and glory, we do know that that is bright. But the angel says we don't need to be afraid of it. So let's look at another one. Um, this is a combination. Exodus thirty-three eighteen, where Moses says, now show me your glory. And then in Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, this is God's response. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses asks to see his glory. And God shows him character. his character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So Sharon was a little bit ahead of us. <laughs> she wanted to get there. So if God's glory is his character and we give him glory, as it says in the angel's message, you know, we've talked about what exactly can that mean. But let's look at a Bible verse for it. Second Corinthians 3.18. All of us then reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces, and that same glory coming from the Lord who is the Spirit transforms us into His likeness in an ever greater degree of glory. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That when God says, give, you know, it says, fear God, reverence Him, be in awe of Him, love Him, and give Him glory, reflect His character. Oh, and I've already translated that. Um, so the next section is, for the hour of his judgment has come. So there's two ways, again, that we can look at that part of the verse. So if we're not keeping our, our measuring stick in mind, our context of the eternal gospel, how else is this usually translated? That we're being judged. That we're being judged, right? But if we have the measuring stick, the the eternal gospel, that this is the message of the eternal gospel, we have that measuring stick, we can hold that up to that version or idea of what it means, and we can say, God is being judged. Before you get off the subject of the the glory, I had somebody ask me one time, they didn't understand why God always had to be honored and glorified, how the angels are always bound to him. And I said, he doesn't, he doesn't need that. We need that. True. You know, I mean, it's our way of acknowledging who he is, what he's done for us and stuff, because he doesn't need that. He doesn't, and let's not get, we're, we're coming to that very, very shortly. It's like you're reading my notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, which is the very next part of the verse, worship him. So why does God want us to worship him? If, if we were just to kind of brainstorm, what would, what would be some good and bad reasons that God would want us to worship him? By holding, we become changed. Yes. Through worshiping him, we become like him. Okay, so you're talking about the law of worship there. Very good. That was my book. 
that was, that was yours. Very good. What if we looked at it negatively? The beholden we become changed? Or the- no, no. If we're, if we're looking at this, and there's generally two ways to look at it, whether you're looking at it through the law, design law lens or whether you're looking at it through imposed law. So if you were to look at it through imposed law, why might God say to worship? Oh, it's fine. It's just... Well, because, because God has, has an ego that needs to be stroked. Uh, right. That's, that's what a lot of people think. You know, why does he need all this glory and power? No, because if you look at it in imposed law, you end up eventually looking at just yourself. And that's a, uh, um, that's, that's a, that's a wormhole. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is when you look at it, the whole verse through imposed law, that's where you end up. Yeah, and a lot of the Bible, that's where you end up. The focus is on us instead of on God. So we talked about the law of worship. So God wants us to worship him. Why exactly? Like, he created us. He created us. So we have the Sabbath, which is the day of worshiping him on honor and the memorial of his creating us. That's power. That's deserving of honor and glory. It is deserving, um, he loves us, and he wants yes. us to love him back. He wants us to love him back. Thank you. Relationship. Relationship. Build a relationship and restore that trust relationship and love, and that brings us to wholeness. Okay. So let me rephrase the question. What happens if we worship something else? What happens to our minds? Damage. We become like We become damaged. We become like what we're worshiping. So why would God want us to worship him? So we become like him. So we become like him. He's the only being that we or any other intelligent being can worship and grow. Because right. he's the only one that wasn't created. He's the only one that wasn't created. He's the only. He's infinite. And so, he's truth and love. And he's truth and love. Again, stay out of my notes. <laughs> he draws us into our best self. He draws us into our best self. I like how you put that. So. Yes. You said something that triggered my mind about us as opposed, and and I'm a student of worship. Worship goes vertical. Mm -hmm. And nowadays in Christianity we have worship music, worship music. But if you notice, so much of it is I, I, me, we. It's entertainment. And real worship is an anthem which honors the Creator God Amen. and His sovereign will, His sovereign power, and when we give praise and worship, now you go to the praise game, <laughs> and the man gets on. Ladies and gentlemen, the game is about to start. Here's what you must do: you must raise your hands, whistle and shout when the home run is made or a play. No, you don't have to tell those people. They automatically know how. Now, I haven't seen anybody raising their hands, but I will tell you, when you worship, your hands come up. They do. It's in the scriptures. You honor, you are worshiping. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for so many of us to do that, and we become self-conscious or whatever. Yeah, isn't that interesting? um... It's about us, not about him. Yeah, there's there's something about growing up in the church that causes us to want to sit on our hands. But I can tell you, so um, I don't know how many of you have heard of the song uh, by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Um, It's called the Revelation Song. And it is an absolutely beautiful song. And the very first time I heard it, I was actually in my car driving. Okay? So I'm just like driving. The song comes on, and I was struck. I literally had to pull over. And just, I had one hand on the wheel and the other hand was going up like this and I was just like, wow. Hallelujah, honor, glory. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Today, when you go home, go to YouTube and go to Brooklyn Tabernacle and, the, and that song, Psalm 19, I mean, Revelation 19, 350 voices singing, turn it up, your hands are raised the whole time. Pretty soon you'll learn the song. Yeah. Brooklyn Tabernacle and what? Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir on Facebook. And, and Re- Revelation, Revelation 19. 19. Yeah. Amazing. Becky. 
I've been listening to the comments here on what, what keeps coming to my head about why we worship. Worship, God, God is about healing us. Amen. Mm-hmm. If we do not spend time with the healer, and, and when we're healing, if we're sick, we try to pull away from the things that have made us sick. Mm-hmm. If we're not addicted. And, and so, yeah, and so part of, part of the healing process is to pull away from those things and, be, and, and so we can be around the things that will make us well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's part of the point of worship is God wants to heal us. And he can't do that if we're continually putting ourselves in the things that are making us sick. That is true. That was very good points, Cindy. One of the key aspects, though, the gentleman made earlier was where are our eyes? And in all of these other aspects, it's on me, how broken I am, mm-hmm. how I have to get me better before he can accept me. And that's the total distraction that's the devil's score. Correct. That's a very good point. So, I mean, if we think about it, for all of the other worlds that, that God made, um, are they worshiping God? Amen. Yes. Absolutely. Are they broken? No. They're not. They're not. So, yes, God can heal us because we worship him, but that's not the main purpose. That's right. That is absolutely not the main purpose. The main purpose... Yeah, go ahead. More on her point. If you're talking about anything practical, you're trying to teach somebody, whether it be flying or riding a motorcycle or anything else, you will always go where your eye is fixed. Yes, you do. And your body will automatically go towards that direction. So if you... If you only start looking at your feet, you really get distracted ultimately. Yeah. You need to look down the airplane, down the runway, or down range. Yeah. You've got to look to something. Got to look where you're going. That's the way it is. And the long range. Looking down is a downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing is that works even when you're on a horse. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't tell you the number of times I've complained because my, my horse, you know, was looking off over here and almost ran into a tree. Um, but I had somebody else point out, well, she's looking where you're looking. And then I, and it, when I turn to look, my body language shifted. And she felt that. So she was like, what's over there? <laughs> and I'm just enjoying the scenery. But she's a horse. Now she's going, What? <laughs> you know so you go where you're where you're looking yeah can you go back to your point just a minute ago where you're talking about um we don't worship or we're healed because we worship or yeah i said it's not the main reason that oh. that we worship um yes god does heal us and it's in relationship with him that he does that but it's not the main reason that we worship. If it was, the other intelligences wouldn't, ha- wouldn't be worshiping because they don't need healing. What they do need... Um, sorry, Cindy, you have a comment? No, you're good. Okay. What they do need is the same thing that we do, whether we're healed or not. What's that? The ability to grow. And the restored relationship. So on that part where the we need healing, the healing will only come. It will only come when our eyes shift away from us and to him and opens up and just let go of the illusion of control. Let go of the illusion of control and be able to just let him... We can control ourselves, our decisions, and our attitude, that's it, but we cannot control outcomes. Thank you. Nor can we fix ourselves. She read my facial expression there. Absolutely. (laughs) Because that, that healing only comes in that restored relationship of realizing his complete absolute complete love for you this moment right now with no ifs ands or buts just the complete love and then the sin is just the brokenness that gets between us and him it's it whenever we run for the fig leaves and try to hide because we were embarrassed and he's still saying i love you come i still want to have that relationship and, and heal let go of the brokenness and guilt yeah very good thank you thank you all right so we'll look at the next phrase Unless there are any further questions on that. No? All right. Who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So isn't that interesting? Um, So what is important about worshiping him as the one who created? 
<coughs> a big one here is one, the source of all life and all things. But the other aspect is if we end up worshiping what he created, as in going down the aspects of save the earth more than the people, then again, it shifts our focus. The question is, where are we looking? And it's what true. are our efforts to do? To heal yeah. and to draw in our fellow man or to... Yeah. Okay. This is not an exactly worship, but when a mother gives birth to a child, that child automatically puts its arms out where? In the direction of the mother. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, she's not the creator, but she was Amen. the one from whom the baby came. That's a good point. Um, so if we didn't understand the context, if we didn't have our measuring stick that this is the eternal gospel, so we're, this is worshiping him who created. So if we didn't have that context, could we misunderstand why we're pointed to creation? I brought you into this world, I can take you out again. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I don't know if a lot of you have heard often when this verse, uh, this part of the verse is looked at, they're looking at creation, but they're saying, okay, God is pointing this out so that we look at an arbitrary test of obedience. Oh, okay. The Sabbath. An arbitrary test of obedience, the Sabbath. So they point to this verse and they say, okay, it's it's saying worship the God, worship the creator, and the only, in their minds, the only way to do that is to observe the Sabbath. Now, that does not fit our eternal gospel, though. The measuring stick. The eternal gospel is what is the truth about God's character. God's character, was, was it true before creation? Yes. yes. And it's true now. Yeah. It was, was it true before the Sabbath? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily involved with the Sabbath. Gary, do you have a question? No, I just, I had a comment. I, I'm a little bit behind on the uptake on the thoughts. But, you know, when, when you worship something, you're worshiping something higher, something you value a, a little bit more. And I see this as pointing out don't just worship the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs. Worship one step higher. And I think that that's what a lot of people get wrapped around the axle in, in that they're worshiping things, people, things. That's a good point. And not the creator that actually made them. Could the Sabbath actually be something that we worship? Oh, yeah. People do. People do. The Jews, they had, what, 613 different rules for the Sabbath? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if we we use our measuring stick, it's the eternal gospel. It's the eternal good news about God. What do these four things that are listed tell us about God? His power. He's creative. All power. He's high and mighty. Sovereign. And it encompasses everything, basically. Actually, it doesn't. Um, I I was curious about that because one of the the helps for the lesson actually talked about how it it mirrors Exodus, and it doesn't. Exodus actually talks about how, you know, he created the heavens, the earth, and all that is in them. This is the heavens, which can be translated sky, the earth, the springs of water, and the sea. What do those four things tell us about God? They all operate upon the law of giving and the law of love. Yes, they operate on the law of giving and the law of love. So think about this. I I see the question, and I'll answer it. (laughs) So the water is in the sea, right? It evaporates and goes up to the heavens. Then it falls lands on earth, gets directed into the streams and rivers, springs of water, and flows back to the sea. It's a circle. It's a circle. Circle of love and giving. Circle of love and giving. So could it be that God listed these things specifically? In that order. Well, not necessarily in that order. 
Heavens, earth. No, the sea is... Springs would maybe be before the sea. They would be before the sea. But it's all good. Although it does occasionally fall directly into the sea. Regardless. But it does give us an idea of God's character. So this points directly to our measuring stick. The eternal gospel. But we miss it. Because we're like, oh, it's creation. He's talking about Sabbath. So we just need to observe the Sabbath. But we could observe the Sabbath and not be worshiping God. And there are people who don't observe the Sabbath and do worship God. All right. Um. Interesting, back to his original comment of where your eyes focused. Because if on the Sabbath I focus on my however many hundred rules right. I'm supposed to keep, and is the water of the you know waves above your ankles or whatever the, the particular subset of rules that one is interested in, it's still self-focused. Absolutely. It pulls us down, and it still sucks the joy out of, and it still believes the lie. But if we shift our focus mm-hmm. to where we want to be, the relationship we want to be in, the God who loves us completely, and embrace the circle of self-other-giving love that he has just given for, for so generously. It draws us into that healing relationship, into giving love back to him that then continues to flow through, and it helps to open up that positivity and grow us into that relationship and draw us into that relationship of love. Absolutely. Thank you. So does this idea of worshiping the creator or learning about his character from creation remind you of any verses? By chance? Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. <laughs> So if God created everything and he created it in harmony with him, we're learning about his character when we look at that. Does that imply that God wants us to look at what's around us and learn about him? Absolutely. He is not a God who hides unless you ask him to. He tells us to go look at nature. He tells us to. Go and look. You don't have an excuse. You have nature. Even if you're not showing up in church, even if you live, I don't know, some strange corner of the earth or tiny corner of the earth where there is nobody else who worships God, you can look at what's been made and understand God. And even if you don't know about God, you can still... The, the um, one can deduce from the single drop of water that an ocean exists somewhere. One can deduce from the seeing the positive relationships and the, the cycle of love in nature and all the rest that somewhere there is that love presence. Yeah. We live according to the light we've been given. So there will be people all over the world that will be in heaven who have Amen. never heard about God, but they live to the light that they were given. True. Absolutely true. Yeah. Is there an instruction book on worship? The Bible. <laughs> You're reading my notes again. <laughs> Specifically in the Bible. Specifically in the Bible. Well, what does it mean to worship? What is... Before we get to what the Bible says about worship, I do want to kind of test our ability to discern. Um, as I was preparing, um, because I was like, okay, what does it mean to worship? Like, how exactly do we go about that? And I just typed in a Google search, and I said, you know, definition of worship. And according to vocabulary.com, this definition came up. To worship is to show a lot of love and adoration for something Religious believers worship gods, and people can worship other people and things, too. Worship is an extreme form of love. It's a type of unquestioning devotion. If you worship God, then you love God so much that you don't question Him at all. Ooh. We were good up till the end. No, we weren't. <laughs> we actually weren't. So, we're going to practice discernment. What's wrong with this definition? 
Don't question him. Don't, don't question him at all. It says we don't question him. It's a common reason. It, it says don't think. It basically says don't think. It's extreme. Hmm. All right. Then it came from Google. <laughs> well, technically it came from vocabulary.com. But Consider the source. <laughs> <laughs> consider the source, yeah. But I wanted to, to point this out because it's not enough for us to be able, you know, for us to worship. It's also important for us to discern when something's not quite right. But there's a lot of people and a lot of organizations, churches, that don't question him, him at all. The preacher says, da, 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 and that is, that is it, even when it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember a friend of mine just, we were talking about a, a bad situation that occurred to me, and the answer was, their answer was, well, you just wait, God will get them. <laughs> yeah. And I, then I had to say, oh, no, you know, yeah. But that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. So let's look at the first part of this, just to practice. Oh, sorry, Joe. Uh, worship God through singing as much as preaching. It's just as much worship as of preaching is. Mm-hmm. Well, Mine was a leading comment when I asked that question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and we'll get there. The church throughout the centuries has taken the book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. Songs, S-O-N-G-S, uh, as he mentioned, worship. And the whole book of Psalms is called the Psalter in the Book of Common Prayer, which has been around for a couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. And printing, you know, there weren't, you just didn't go to Barnes & Noble pick up the Bible or anything. And so you went to the chapel in the morning before the sun came up and the whole village came. And the preacher would pray, sing a section of the Psalter on day one, first six chapters. After several years, you knew the words just like he knew them. And so you were then repeating those words out loud every morning, and you do the same thing in the evening. If you'll take the Psalter, and I, it's been a wonderful revelation to me, and I go through and then I ask the people, is this a suggestion or is this a command? And when you go through the book of Psalms that way, you'll find yourself raising it and saying, Hallelujah! That's his name. Amen. Yeah. You have to do that because it's not a suggestion. And when you do that, you are worshiping. And when you actually do the worship, that's where the change comes. We look at the book of Psalms, they were being real with God. Mm-hmm. Most of the, I mean, when you read that, it's all David being, or whoever, being real with God with, about their feelings, about their shortcomings, mm-hmm. about everything, and just <coughs> laying it before the Lord, but yet giving God glory. So it was, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was admitting where we are. Well, my, well point, my point is, when it says, shout to the Lord... Oh, that's a, I can't do that. And see, we, we're so, what should I say? Timid? Down, down, no, we're going down. We think the only, and I, and I saw a card from a Luther, Lutheran pastor. He gave it to him. We believe in worshiping one day a week. Well, I said, that's the Adventist. We believe in worshiping one day. No, we worship seven days a week. Amen. Morning, Amen. evening, and continually. And we rest on the Sabbath. Hmm. It's about rest. Oh, we want to make it the mark of the beast and all that. And I said, whoa, what happened here a year and a half ago? No man can buy or sell. That's what the mark of the beast is. And you couldn't go to the church because we closed the churches. And you couldn't ride on an airplane unless you had the card. You, we've already had the mark of the beast and we went right through it and went over our heads and we're just going on and on and on. Yeah. Because it wasn't Sunday. Our church was tested and we missed it. Um, that is that is accurate. Um, but you're still ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen the lesson. I just that's 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 okay. Just just hang on to that 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 concept because it's important that we can take a look at something like this and understand why it doesn't make sense and why it's not accurate. So look at the first part. Just worship is to show a lot of love and adoration for something. Is is the only thing about worship love? 
No, it's not. It's obedience. Respect. It's a whole host of things, it's not choice. just love. It's a choice of, of thought. Yes. It's a choice of direction. It's a choice of where we're putting our eyes. Time yes. Spent. It's time spent. It's a whole lot of things, but it's not just love. And this is putting it in the realm of pure emotion. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that realm, you're not Don't making think clearly. You're not thinking clearly. And think about it this way. Does God love us? Yes. Does love, God love us with an extreme love? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is God worshiping us? No. 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 But his might be almost to the point of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> his is his, his, his very nature, his character. But I just wanted to point out that we can actually look at something like this and reason it through and understand it's not right. And we've already looked at the last part, unquestioning devotion, don't question him at all. That's not what God wants. He wants us to come and reason with him. By beholding him, we become changed. It's the reality of the thing we've got to get. It is the reality. Absolutely. So I looked up um, a different definition of worship. Merriam-Webster had these three. Reverence offered a divine being or supernatural power, also an act of expressing such reverence. So that's more comprehensive. A form of religious practice with its creed and ritual, which is where a lot of us get stuck. Extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. Does that sound more accurate at least? Yeah. And again, we could take a look at that and if we wanted to, take some time to say, yeah, that actually fits God's character. With the possible exception of two. Um, Although we can worship God in our religion, if we're doing it right. So, what does it mean to offer God reverence? Respect. Respect. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I think it was you, who said it's putting him first. Always putting him first. Did I see a hand? Yeah. I think if we see it right, we're just in awe. I mean, God is awesome. And this awesome person is there a beck and call. He's just on the edge of his seat to just hear whatever we can sort of jabber out. I got a really neat little grandson, but he's not talking much yet. So he's, you know, he understands and all that, but you're eager to, whatever he's trying to say, you're, you're wanting to figure it out. And we're like that, even if we're 900 years old, we're, we're sort of jabbering, but God's on his edge of seat. What's he going to say today? <laughs> yeah. Um, let's look at what Bible says worship is. Um, the first verse, um, when Jesus was in the wilderness, how did he respond when Satan suggested that he would bow down and worship him? Uh, Matthew 4.10, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, is what he said. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That lets us know there's only one true object of worship. Um, but what kinds of things are we often tempted to put in God's place? <laughs> It's rather comprehensive, but true. Um, what happens when we do? Again, you go the direction you're looking. Again, you go the wrong direction. Have you ever experienced... Now, let me back up. Can you accidentally worship the wrong thing? Yes. 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 You can do it without even realizing you're doing it. How many of us have done that? I, I have. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you what happened to my brain during that time. Went downhill. Couldn't think clearly. So now we'll go to Psalms 100 for another instance of what the Bible says about worship. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. So one way that we can worship is to sing. That's, a that's, that's, that's one of the things that's, that's here. We can sing. Or for those who can't, we can make a joyful noise. <laughs> How about shouting? That's what it started with. That's what it starts with. Um, all of this is something, but why does God want us to do this? What's the point? 
It gets your whole body going. It changes what's happening in your brain and your body. We need it. We need it. Why? Why? Why is it? Actions produce feelings and behavior. Thank you. And it connects us more soundly. Because anytime you use music, you remember things. True. It's more profound so that later, it doesn't matter how many decades later, you will recognize something from that scent or that sound. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and technically when you're making noise, that's going to attract others around and that will make the worship grow. That's a good point. Enjoying it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that... Um, Praise is inherent in our, our being. I think we were created to do that. Amen. And we're going to praise something. Yeah. I mean, you can tell the way one world goes this way or that way or all different ways. There's all kinds of things to praise. Mm-hmm. But our, we are built to praise. Yes. Jesus is asking us to praise Him. He is. So if you don't feel like that kind of nature that you have loudness and want to praise like that... <clears throat> that you don't love the Lord then. No. So I don't need to be, I mean, I'm lost already then because I don't have that kind of thing. This now, my brother does. He, this, now, this. he can say it, but I can't do that right yet. So maybe no. I don't have the Lord in me. Is that what I... I'm, no. No. I'm, I'm, everybody's, that, different. everybody's different. The point of, of praising, all right? So let me give you some information here. According to Dr. Arlene Taylor, some of you have heard of her, um... There are four core emotions, joy, anger, fear, and sadness, and only one emotion can be on your mental stage at the same time, right? So when fear steps in, and fear is not generally from God, right? The only gift of actual fear that God gave us is when we're in danger. We need that to survive occasionally, but when fear steps in, whether it's a real fear or an imagined one, your emotion that was previously in charge is pushed off the stage so that you can collect the information that the fear is trying to give you and respond appropriately. Unfortunately, more often than not, the fears are imagined. They're not real, and so we have to learn to manage or overcome those fears in order to get what we want to be our primary emotion, which is joy, back on the stage. What's the best thing that we can do to get rid of fear? Perfect love. Cast out Love. What else? Gratitude. Gratitude. Who said that? You did. Gratitude gets fear off the stage. So it's not just about praising, but gratitude is a form of, you know, praise is a form of gratitude. It doesn't have to be in song. It doesn't have to be in shouting. But, an, but attitude pushes fear out. What is one of the tools of the enemy? Fear. Probably the biggest tool. The biggest tool. Lies. That's actually the one he used on me to get me to worship something else. And lies. And lies. Yeah. <laughs> and worship is a very culturally influenced. Act. Oh, absolutely. And so, if you go to visit my relatives in Finland on my mother's side, you will think that nobody is worshiping at all because there's no <coughs> quiet in church. Whereas if you go into the Russian sector on my father's side, it's, it's very boisterous and it's very worshipful in a way that we might recognize a little bit more. And then if you go to a... a but now we're talking about corporate worship. Yes. Black church, you know, I remember walking in. I didn't realize what kind of church I was walking into. It was Seventh-day Adventist, obviously. But the moment I walked in there, it's like mm-hmm. I was the only white person there. And it's almost like, wow, they made me stand up. They made me talk about myself. And I was, I was, put, <laughs> I was put on stage almost. And uh-huh. it made me feel very, very different from how I would feel amongst my own familiar culture. Yeah. In addition to us praising based partly upon the culture that we're in, I think it's a personality thing yes, as well. Um, and, I, and I say that because... There are phlegmatics yes. who they don't have a lot of the strong feelings that are up and down like other people. Right. They're more like this all the time. Uh-huh. And and so, you know, it would be easy if we were to say it's, it's all this feeling for a phlegmatic to go, well, I don't feel all of this. And that's not what it's about. It's not about that. No, it's not. It's not. <clears throat> and the point about gratitude when we're dealing with fear all the time 
if we know that gratitude will push it out of the way, we can be grateful and become less afraid. Amen. That, that points us back to God. Fear has been a part of Christianity, especially 19th century Christianity. And can you imagine the birth of our church? October 21, 1844. What would that look like? Hmm. Um, <laughs> Starved to death with excitement. Freaked out? Yeah. Is that fear? I mean, that's a picture of fear today. That's why I put it on here. Mm-hmm. You've seen that picture. It's a picture of somebody who's very afraid. This lady that's screaming, I mean, in the chartreuse coat. Yeah. Fear that the world is going to end. But that's the way it was on October 21, 1844. They were all close to probation. We're going to, we're all going to die if we have one thought, one bad thought. And uh, that's, that was just everywhere. It is, and it, it still is. It, and it has come all the way down. I met with a group of fellows today, and uh, all of them very conservative backgrounds, and the fear that we had as teenagers. Yeah, yeah. So have you ever had a time when you experienced fear and gratitude helped you knock it out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just tell you uh, one example from, from my life. Um, a couple of years ago, I was outside my house, um, and this was after a rather, rather traumatic series of events. But I was outside my house, um, just unloading groceries, taking them in. As I was doing so, and I was on the phone with my mom, I had to Bluetooth and talking to her while I'm working. And I turned around to go back to the car, and I see this car drive slowly past my house, go up a little ways, turn around, come back really slowly, and stop directly in front of my neighbor's driveway, which is, we're a duplex, so it's not far. And two guys in the car watching me. Freaked me out. All right? So I tell her what I see, and she says, well, make sure that they know that that you can see them. So I did. I couldn't see enough in the car to see who it was. I could just tell that it was two guys. I made sort of eye contact with the windshield, (laughs) looked directly at them, and went inside. Closed my trunk, left the rest of the groceries in there, went inside, watched them from my window as they drove slowly past the house, just past my driveway, pulled forward and backed into a parking spot across the street so they could still watch. So again, completely freaked out. Absolutely starting a panic attack. And my mom said, you need to go tell your neighbors what's going on. I said, I can't. If I go over there right now, I'm going to completely freak out the kids. They're not going to know how to handle this wild emotion. And she goes, oh, you're starting a panic attack. She says, hang up, go to your piano, and start playing. And get your gun set up. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom is very wise. Um, I was not in a place where I could think because I had so much fear that had hit me. So I went to the piano, I hung up, went to the piano, just obeyed. Obey obey my mom. (laughs) Started playing for the first five, six minutes. I was very shaky and I absolutely could not sing. After that, I had calmed down enough that I started singing. Now, it wasn't pretty. Didn't have to be. Five minutes after that, I am no longer concerned about the person outside. And I was just praising God. And And the panic attack was completely gone. Now, I don't know if you know many people who have panic attacks. Once you've had one, you have a great deal more compassion for those who do. Um, Because it doesn't usually take just 10 minutes for you to get over it. I remember one day having one, and it took me three hours to get past it. And that was when I knew how to try to handle it. Um, Gratitude made the difference. Praise made the difference. And I don't think that that was accident. When God tells us to praise him, I think he knew one of the things that would attack us the most here was fear. Did you have something? It's two things. One, the uh, gentleman with the, the gratitude and the love. It doesn't have to be the, you know, no. the worst kind 
a thing and all hands up and all the rest, but a state of heart and mind. Absolutely. Simply the state of heart and mind. And the other is on the sympathetic override that kicks in in the panic, um, especially if someone in their life has had, uh, you may encounter individuals that have had repeated trauma of any variety, physical, mental, whatever the case may be. But the more that that survival, fight and flight, sympathetic nervous system gets stimulated, and the, the more on edge one gets, you know, where, where is the threat coming from? And so there may be individuals that if when we're with them, the reaction seems, if we think it's disproportionate, just keep in mind each person doing the best that they can and we have no idea what they are or have been through mm -hmm. and being able to be present with that. But what a tremendous story about the, the power of gratitude. Yeah. As a family doctor, it's equivalent to panic attacks and stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very stressful thing. People go to the ER multiple times. Um, and by hindsight, it's 2020. You know, hopefully, there need to be everyone call 911. And sometimes they're tied up, and it may take them a while to get there. So it's who's your backup? Who are the brothers in your world? Who are your neighbors that you can call? Say, Mom, I'm keeping you on the phone. Uh, I'm going to put you in a hole while I call some of these other people. And this, um, but it's cool to see how playing the music, you know, was a way to calm you down. Yeah. You know, now they could have misinterpreted. Hey, this lady's in there playing the music. You know, so they, in their twisted minds, it may not always be the thing. But your guardian angels are there. Mm -hmm. but well, yeah, and they actually couldn't hear me from where they were. Um, they could see my house, but they couldn't. They if they were had ill intent, or the yeah. Mormon missionaries or Jehovah's Witnesses saying, "All right, she looks like she'd be a friendly person to start with." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might have been a little un unhappy when they came in and saw you know the potential weapons in my hand by the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, did they finally go away? What? They did. They went away. Um, by the time I went outside again, they were gone. I unloaded the groceries. I was fine. I did notify a friend of mine who works for the police to say, "Hey, just be send a patrol car periodically," and they did. Um, Before we get off this text, I think it's that the Lord tells us to shout. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if we were in church and somebody stood up and shouted. That's something the pastor Just, said. How would we react to that? Let me back up a little bit. Who wrote it? David. David did. Yeah. So inspired, yes, but David wrote it. Yeah. Um, David was one of those who did shout. But also keep in mind, their culture, that was normal. Yeah. When I shout, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. When I shout, it changes my emotions towards a negative kind of thing. So I'm with this other gentleman. I may not necessarily want to shout, but I'm happy to sing. Well, and I do. When a, when a pastor preaching, he said, can I hear an amen? Let me hear an amen. <laughs> I'm like, if I feel it, I'll say it. You don't have to ask yeah. me to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But how many times really in this day and age do we even hear people say amen? True. True. We're, we're running out of time. We might need to well, roll on. I know that uh, he has grandkids, and when he goes watches the College Hill teams play, he just doesn't sit there. So. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, in a real basket, you're going to say something. And, and that's giving worship is not something that has to... You mentioned the child or somebody's child arms out immediately in worship. Yeah. And uh, it's our self-consciousness that keeps us from doing it. It can, but we're going to roll on because we're missing some of the point of, of worship. Let's go to John four twenty three to 24. Um, we're not really missing it. We just hadn't gotten there yet. Um, yet a time is coming and has now come. This is when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Isn't that interesting? God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does it mean to worship God in spirit? Be filled with the spirit. Thank you. Hallelujah. Be filled with the spirit is what he said. Can you think of any other verses? There's the fruits of the spirit, yeah. Any other verses that tie the spirit and truth together? Yes, but I don't know them. You don't know them. John sixteen thirteen. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. Amen. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, when he says worship in spirit and in truth, do you think maybe this is what he had in mind? Yeah. When we worship in spirit, 
just brings it. What he hears is interesting. That's the Holy Spirit, but it's kind of fun to see it's time the Trinity and Jesus together. Because the Spirit, you wouldn't think would need that, but it's so cool that they're so unified mm-hmm. that it seems like you and I would need, all right, tell me what to do, but the Spirit of truth is so united with God the Father and God the Son mm-hmm. that they're all three into it. They're all three. They're all connected. They're all working to guide us, yeah. It kind of makes a circle, much like you were talking about the uh, the water there. Yes. Again, because the Spirit works through us, and we praise the Lord, and there's worship there. So it's 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 a full... It's a way that the the three worship them, worship them. It's it's part of worship becomes part of the law of giving. We give, we receive, we give. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out: "Freely you have received, freely give." Freely give. But also, it's like to me when I think of the spirit of truth, I think you're in the attitude of prayer constantly in your heart. In other words, it doesn't have to be on your knees. It doesn't have to be in church. Just your activity during the day, your thinking, mm-hmm. and the attitude of being in a relationship with God. I call it auto prayer. Auto prayer, yeah. Um, and we'll come to uh, the other point that was brought up earlier. Um, let's skip ahead to Romans twelve one to 2 in the interest of time. Um, so when we're worshiping the truth, worshiping in spirit and in truth, this is just another verse on worship. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So worship is not something that we do once a week. Uh, Revelation 17.3, eternal life. This is eternal life to know God and Jesus. Yes. Exactly. Um, there's another verse, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. And this reminded me of another text, just one second. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Come back full circle. You know, we talk about David and all his praises in the Psalms. That's what you hear mostly. That's what we're supposed to do. But it just came to my mind. Why can't I be like Job? I don't see him with all his trials, you know, shouting. Daniel, his life was solid. He went to the lion's den, and yet I don't see him then say in the Bible, I don't think, you know, he shouted. The three Hebrews, you look at some of these people that Mm -hmm. had a life of solidness, like someone said here, just straight, loved the Lord. They worshiped him that way. And the ones around him, people saw him, mm-hmm. and that's the way he worshipped. Uh, so I think there's many ways to worship. Yeah. There absolutely are. Well, they um, say actions speak louder than words. So just by your actions, people can tell. You're they can tell by your life. Um, we're going to end on this one. Um, this is a passage out of Acts of Apostles, page 132 and 133, which I think describes what God is looking for. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was a man of wealth and noble birth, and his position was one of trust and honor. A heathen by birth, training, and education, through contact with the Jews, he had gained a knowledge of God, and he worshipped him with a true heart, showing the sincerity of his faith by compassion to the poor. He was known far and near for his beneficence, and his righteous life made him of good repute among both Jews and Gentiles. His influence was a blessing to all with whom he came in contact. The inspired record describes him as a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Hmm. Believing in God as the creator of heaven and earth, Cornelius revered him, acknowledged his authority, and sought his counsel in all the affairs of life. He was faithful to Jehovah in his home life and in his official duties. He had erected the altar of God in his home, for he dared not attempt to carry out his plans or to bear his responsibilities without the help of God. Isn't that a beautiful description of worship? Amen. Yeah. Whenever we talk about the law of worship and the law of different aspects, and I realize on the time factor, but it's bringing it back together. And that is, in heaven, whenever there was, you know, the, the statement of, and the law up, and the, the angels are shocked because, you mean there's a law for that? Because mm-hmm. it is something that is by natural flow. Yeah. in that love relationship that it occurs. 
Yes. So when we give it the label, the law of, it's more of like the law of gravity where you recognize its existence and its truth, its basic truth to how life functions and how the, world, the universe functions. Mm -hmm. But that, that embracing of and that, the, that being able to recognize and live centered in other-centered love uh, and also, you know, the love of your God with all your heart, your neighbors, yourself, yeah. that whole healthy aspect can be that circle. It turns in, instead of the the line. Yeah, it turns into that circular. Turns into the circle. Love, love. Um, we are out of time. Let's go ahead and close with prayer. Father, I ask that you would fill us with your Spirit, teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth, and continue to guide us into all truth. Amen. We thank you for the promise that the work you start in us, you'll finish. And ask that you would bless us and help us to bless you Amen. today and this coming week. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.